Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Randy from the frozen tundra of Minnesota. We bring you our weekly radio show. We have really very little to complain about, however, because uh, the East Coast is uh, learning the lesson that we have learned long ago about trying to deal with not inches of snow, but feet and more feet of snow. That is right. We are rather... Uh, Dodging a bullet. We, well, we have dodged a bullet. What I'm saying is that we are rather... I'm searching for the right word, but we, 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 we don't get to... Uh, wigged out about these uh, large snowfalls here. Well, I think a lot of the problem lies in those areas that are not accustomed to getting snow, so they're not well suited to clean their roads, drive in those conditions, right. you know, so they're uh, a little more shocked than we are when we're uh, hit with weather conditions like that. Yeah, well, uh, shall we just say, because I know we have lots and lots of listeners all over the country that... Uh, to our friends uh, out east on the East Coast, uh, uh, certainly our good prayers are with you. For our friends in the south lately with the uh, ice and uh, uh, hazardous uh, driving and power outages, uh, you know, our thoughts are always with you in good ways. We sympathize and empathize with them. That is true. So uh, today's show, we're going to talk uh, our, our final uh, episode in this series that we've been doing on spiritual journey in life, uh, the healing journey uh, in life, and we have been using uh, the format, really, or the uh, steps of the 12 steps as kind of our guide to talking about various spiritual um, challenges and tasks and exercises to work on uh, that will hopefully help us to grow spiritually. Yeah, but in general terms, we're speaking a lot about character development. Well, yeah, character development was part of what uh, we talked about in that one episode that's really based on step six and seven, character Mm -hmm. defects and also qualities of uh, spiritual character that, uh, you know, Paul describes, particularly in the New Testament. But the whole series is really about uh, growing in your spiritual life, growing in your uh, relationship with God, growing in spiritual maturity, I think is what kind of what we're after here. Well, it's a great subject, and it's a series that I know you and I have both really enjoyed doing. So tell us about today's show and this final step. The final step is, uh, in fact, what uh, the 12 Steps uh, calls Step 12, uh, which is after all the other steps, uh, then you finally get to this piece, which is uh, stated uh, basically like this, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we decided to carry the message to others and to practice these principles in all of our lives. And how do we go about doing that? Did I say I knew the answer to that? Well, you, this is why you're the host of the show. <laughs> I see. I okay. get to throw the hard questions like this I at you. I see. Well, basically, I think what, uh, what, a, what, you know, historically in the Christian church, we would have called this step, or we do call this step, is evangelism, carrying the message, preaching the message, teaching the message. 
It's what we evangelical Christians tend to refer to as the Great Commission, the final thing that Christ said to his disciples before the uh, transfiguration, go and carry the message to all uh, uh, ends of the world, and uh, lo, I will be with you until the close of the age. So we basically know that it is our task as Christians to tell uh, about the spiritual awakening that we've had. I, I think uh, I prefer to look at it that way, that you know we're, we're just not out there uh, trying to beat people over the head uh, and get them to believe. Uh, we need to be our own best reflection uh, in terms of joy, peace, and, and uh, spiritual presence. You know, we need, we, we need to uh, uh, impress people with what it means to be in a closer relationship with God. Well, and many times that can be uh, as obvious in our actions uh, as it would be uh, in, in what we're saying. That's right. You know what I mean. Yeah, there are people. Right. There are people who will stop you and 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 just uh, marvel or or make a comment about the fact that that message that we're talking about is coming across loud and clear. Yeah. Uh, and it's without you even having to get on a soapbox and start preaching. Well, yeah. No, don't get me wrong. We're we're not uh, you know against preaching, teaching. Uh, you know, missionary activity, you know, we're, we're all in favor of all of that. Uh, but, but even, you know, with missionary activity, you know, if we're in a foreign country and we're trying to um, uh, influence people about a relationship with Christ, uh, how is it that our demeanor uh, even reflects the value of that? Right. Uh, which is why I think uh, the 12 Steps uh, starts out, or the 12 step starts out with, having had a spiritual awakening. So, in other words, all the steps proceeding, the ones that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, you know, should eventually bring us to a, pa- a place of greater spiritual peace, of joy, uh, a sense of calling, a sense of vision, a sense of uh, a direction in our lives. And, you know, if we truly have that sense of peace, then then we, we do, in fact, have a message uh, to tell people about. Well, it's many times tied to the old adage of uh, actions. In some cases, actions speak louder than words. That's right. Uh, I've always been a fond of the same from Mahatma Gandhi, uh, who evidently was quite the student of world religions. I mean, he was born in India, somewhat raised in uh, Africa, actually, went to school in England. So he was exposed to a lot of different uh, religious cultures, and uh, he studied many of them. And he was... uh, he was quoted as saying later in his life, he said, of all the religions that I've ever studied, I find Christianity to be the most meaningful. Uh, and I would be a Christian if it were not for the example of other Christians. So that's not a very uh, good uh, recognition of what kind of Christians must have been around him you know, over the history of his life. But uh, I do think that it is incumbent up upon us before we think that we have anything to say to other people to uh, uh, put all of these principles in practice in our own lives and be be our own best example of what it uh, uh, can mean to be in a very close relationship with the Lord. After all, we don't want to be one of those Christians that give Christians a bad name. That is right. That is right. We don't want to be one of those uh, hypocrites uh, 
which uh, basically talks a good talk, but certainly does not walk a good walk. Well, on that note, let's take our break. And when we come back, we will jump right into this topic today. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. By the strength of my own hand Are just temporary kingdoms On foundations made of sand In the middle of battle Do you struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops, led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's faithfulandtrue.com. Now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, Randy. Uh, it's an easy one this week, and it's probably a reiteration of something we talked about last week in anticipation. But, you know, last week we were calling for the uh, boycott of this uh, movie that came out on Valentine's Day, Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, we uh, discovered, of course, on Sunday night, it was reported widely in the news that the movie had grossed... Uh, $81.7 million dollars. So a whole lot of people, and of course one of our news channels here in the Twin Cities made a big deal of uh, the female audience that this movie attracted. So um, I don't know. I, you know, I well, I do know. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a certainly a uh, an indication of of the fact that for many of us Christians, um, seeing the ads for this, even you know, none of us were going to go to this movie and and won't go to the movie, won't rent the movie, won't do anything with the movie. Um, but you know, even just the ads, like the ads, Fifty Shades of Grey, and uh, Grey, and then a you know a handcuff on it, which you know points to the fact that there's some themes in this movie about sadomasochism or control or dominance or that kind of thing. I mean, there is absolutely no way that there's anything healthy being represented in this movie. Well, I was appalled by hearing the radio ads that were pre-Valentine's Day that were um, promoting. The Vermont teddy bears, there was a Fifty Shades of Grey Vermont teddy bear that comes with little handcuffs. Well, you know, um, we could talk, you know, the rest of the show and uh, bemoan the fact that our culture has come to this point where 
you know, that a movie such as that and a book such as, you know, uh, the one it's based on could be as popular as it was. And uh, it, it goes to show that I think uh, in many ways we've really lost our way morally, you know, in our culture, not just in America, but certainly around the world. So let's not even give the movie more attention than we already have, except to say that uh, it's very clear to me that Christians are called, like Jesus talked about, to be in the world, but not of the world. Having said that, and I've totally agree with you. I do have to acknowledge the one uh, photograph that that I saw. Uh, I think a friend might have sent it in an email, and it it was a different take on Fifty Shades of Grey, and it was a picture of a busload of octogenarians. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of a cute photograph of all these gray-haired people, yeah. uh, and uh, it was titled Fifty Shades of Grey, um, having a double meaning there. So uh, on to today's show. I do well onto the day show, but I do think we could reframe it: Fifty Shades of Purity. Sub theme for our fight of your life uh, workshops, meaning that you know there are just uh, so many ways to uh, work on being uh, the men and women that God calls us to be, and to be uh, men and women of purity, kindness, honor, integrity, relationship that's uh, mutual, not based on some kind of dominance or submission. Again, as I said, I'm pursuing my own temptation to hyper-focus on this movie. Our theme for the day is about carrying the message to others um, and about having a spiritual awakening such that we have something with integrity to share with other people. The main memory that I have about this is back in the early days of my own recovery, after I'd had a couple years or more of sobriety, the opportunity, a couple of different kinds of opportunity came up. One was to go out and speak about sexual addiction, and the other one was to write about it. So, in fact, the uh, very first speech that I did about sexual addiction led to the invitation to write about it. Then the question came up, uh, you know, when you're speaking or when you're teaching, when you're writing, uh, how much of your own story do you I think one of the best pieces of advice that I ever received um, back in those days, this is roughly 19... 1991, was from the uh, the editor of my first book, and the question was um, whether or not to uh, tell my own story in the book. You know, to have that as part of the introduction, which in fact, you know, it, it is. But the reason it is is because of this very wise counsel that I received from the editor there at the publishing company, uh, and she said, "Mark, if you don't tell your own story, someone else will." And, of course, my story had been public, so the likelihood of that happening was, was pretty good. So um, I made a decision to uh, tell my own story. So uh, whenever I speak, whenever I teach, whenever I uh, write, I, I generally will include a couple of minutes of just uh, owning my own story. Now, the reason this relates to carrying the message to others is because, you know, when we carry the message to others, I think it's so much more effective when we uh, are able to tell a story of uh, how we were lost at one point and the healing and hope and recovery that we found. So I'm, I'm always impressed whenever I think about the story of how Alcoholics Anonymous was founded. And, and the, the way it was founded was that 
without getting too long into it, uh, Bill Wilson, you know, one of the two founders, uh, discovered that there was a town drunk in Ohio where um, he he needed to have fellowship with another drunk that night in order to stay sober. That's what he felt like he needed. So he went over to Dr. Uh, Bob Smith's house, and Dr. Smith was was worried that uh, he was there to preach at him. And uh, he said, you know, everybody in town's been preaching at me to stop drinking for years. He said, uh, Bill said, no, I'm, I'm here because uh, I need help. And uh, as a result of that, um, Bill Wilson told him his own story, and that's how he started. And, and Dr. Bob discovered that Bill Wilson's story was his story. And, and they, when, in the recognition that they had uh, stories in common, um, that's how the first conversation evolved that was meeting number one of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that has been the tradition of AA, and that's why it's step 12, carry the message to others, which is we carry our own story to others. We, we have a story, and we're willing to tell it. Well, that is a powerful story that you share, because I've been at many events where you are speaking, and many of the Fight of Your Life events that we uh, conduct. And by telling your story, by sharing the honesty and the um, authenticity of you sharing your story, establishes several vital things. And that is, you know of what you speak. This is not just coming from someone who has been... Uh, beautifully academically prepared for this moment, but the shoes that you have walked in for the past 28 years puts you in a position that very few have been in. And the men that are so often in our audience, they come there with guilt and shame and apprehension and fear. And as soon as they sit down and you open by telling your story, they're in a whole different emotional place Mm -hmm. because they are able to hear you. And all of a sudden, you know, their apprehension their anxiety seems to drop like you know like high blood pressure because they know that they're in a safe place with a, with someone who is paying it forward who is telling his story and all of a sudden they're not quite as devastated about their own story because they're hearing yours yeah i i was just thinking as you were uh, talking about that and i appreciate the affirmation in it but um, when we were down in Brazil uh, a couple of years ago now, we had just a wonderful time, wonderful people down there in Brazil, and uh, we taught for several days. The very first thing I did in front of the Brazilians was to, uh, uh, this, this was a, a gathering of pastors and missionaries and Christian workers throughout Brazil, from all over Brazil. And um, the first thing that uh, both Debbie and I did whenever, when we both had our turns in front of the microphone, we told our own story. And uh, I remember that first morning when I did that down there, um, you could just tell that this was something that the people were not used to, uh, and yet they were nodding their heads, and they were, they, were, they were like in not so much agreement with me as they were connecting with me. And after the event was over, uh, the, uh, the president of the organization that sponsored it came up to me, and she said, you know, um, you did the most brilliant thing on... Uh, Thursday morning, you you told your own story, and I've had so many people come up to me and said that that we were very well prepared not to listen to this guy talk about sexuality, but when he told his own story, he he gained instant trust with us, uh, which is which is somewhat counterintuitive because the story is not a pretty one. I mean, it's a story of you know sexual addiction and sexual sin, but I but I do think that uh, there's a lot of people out there that are just longing to hear uh, honest stories of. Uh, 
recovery, healing, victory is a word we like to sometimes use in the evangelical community, but stories of hope, you know, stories of uh, I once was lost and now I'm found. Um, and um, whenever we tell our own story, um, we, we will always find a brother or a sister, I think, or brothers and sisters. So uh, I think I can honestly say, I should probably knock wood, that I've never really had a bad experience by telling my own story. Uh, it's always seemed to be a point of connection with other people. Now, there are possibilities to tell your story, and you know the story is not a great one, and it doesn't reflect a whole lot of healing. Uh, sometimes we like to tell our own stories because you know we like the attention it generates, or we like the sympathy it generates. So, you know that's never a good reason to tell your own story. This this last final spiritual step is about carrying the message to others of what a relationship with Christ has meant to you and how that has helped in your healing journey and how that has brought you closer not just to God but to others, including your own spouses. So. If you feel that you can honestly tell your story uh, as an act of service, that is, uh, that is what I mean by carrying the message to others. Well, and I think that we don't want the listeners to misinterpret what you just said a second ago because you made it sound as though your story is not a victorious story. Your story is very much a victorious story in Jesus Christ. Well, yeah. You you know, here you are preparing to celebrate your twenty eighth anniversary of of recovery and right. healing, you know, and it's only because of your relationship uh, with uh, with God that this has all been possible. That's right. What I was talking about, maybe I wasn't clear, is that there are some people who get up and tell their story out of selfish reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not trying to serve people; they're trying to generate sympathy for themselves. Right. And uh, so I just, I'm just. And by the way, I, you know, let me let me tell it this way. I think there were times in even the early year or two that I was out speaking when I was telling my story, when I did uh, notice. Uh, occasionally that I was wanting something from the audience. Right, right. You, you were know, looking uh, for something in right. particular, right? Well, I was longing for affirmation or whatever else it was. So I'm just cautioning people. Step 12 of the 12 steps is step 12. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> you know, there's 11 steps that come before it and all the uh, previous shows that we've done on that. You know, so there's a lot of spiritual journeying and work to do to even get to step 12. So don't rush into step 12 too quickly is partly right. what I'm saying. If you've done your work on the first 11 steps, yeah. you'll be well-suited for step 12. That is right. So you'll have something to talk about. You'll have something to share. Now, basically, I just want to be clear. I think there's one simple, very clear point, at least to me, in this show, and that is that I think it takes a lot of courage, bravery, spiritual growth uh, to get to the point of being willing to tell your story. The, the best way to carry the message is not to teach some principle, not to uh, talk about something academically or clinically, but it's, it's basically to tell your own story. And uh, so now I do have a practical piece of advice, and that is I do think we need practice in telling our own story. So what I always encourage the men around here to do, if they feel like they're at all in that place where they might be ready to even publicly tell their own story. And we've had, we've had a number of our couples here uh, stand up in front of their own churches and tell their own story as part of the uh, faith story or the five-minute faith testimony that a lot of churches do. And uh, what I encourage you know, those people to do is to write it out. You know, and uh, 
practice uh, what you want to say. And uh, if you write it out, then you can get feedback on it. You can show it to other people, and you can ask them the question, uh, does this sound like I'm trying to serve, or uh, does this sometimes sound a little too self-seeking here? Right, right. And by writing it out, you oftentimes find yourself if you're a decent writer, with a, a beginning, a middle, and an end, right. where the whole story ends up making sense. Right. Well, it also it also prevents you, because sometimes, you know, unless you're you know a trained speaker, you don't have always a sense of time. And so if you're given an opportunity to tell a testimony in front of other people, you for sure want to write it out so that you make sure that you, you have the beginning, middle, and end, and it doesn't go on and on and on in any particular section. And, you, and you've effectively delivered your message. That's right. And when in doubt, if you don't think you're a public speaker, uh, then you can, you know, most of us can read. So you, know, you can get up and read your story, and uh, that, that can be just as effective. You don't have to be a spontaneous, extemporaneous speaker. To, you know, because if it's genuine and if it's written and said in the spirit of serving, of carrying the hopeful, positive, loving message to other people, then even if you're reading the words, you know, the spirit of it will come through that. Any final thoughts on this topic for today? Well, I have one really large final thought, and that is that uh, there's quite a controversy in our field of sexual addiction, even among some of the leaders in the field, about whether you ever should tell your story in public. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Sexaholics Anonymous. It is, does have that anonymous component. And there are those people who think, you know, we should remain anonymous about our own story. There's some of the clinical types in our field, the PhDs, the educated types who think, no, I, I want to be a professional in the field. I don't want to be a recovering addict in the field. I've even had it to me, uh, happen to me on uh, several national television shows. Well, they'll have some. Um, a PhD expert about sexual addiction on, and then I'm the guy that gets to tell the story. Uh, well, you know, even though I do have a PhD, even though I've written books, even though whatever, you know, I've always considered it a pure joy and an honor to tell my story. I don't need to be necessarily the academic expert. You know, I think, you know, being able to tell your story, I, this happened when we were on N NBC Dateline over 10 years ago. We got so much feedback about the fact that we were, we were willing to go on the show and tell Debbie and I both tell our own story. And so, you know, my final thought about this is it, it takes a lot of courage. We're talking about something that uh, has a lot of social shame attached to it. Uh, but I, I will reiterate something I said earlier that I have never had an uh, experience where I've told my story and I haven't gained a brother or a sister in telling the story. Uh, be of good courage. That's my last word. And when the time is right, when the intentions and the motivation is right, God will provide you with opportunities to carry the message to others by telling your own story. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser tell his story on the Men of Valor program. My name is Randy Everett. I'm your co-host, and we thank you once again for joining us today, and we look forward to joining you next week. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.